0: Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.
1: In January of 2020, Bloomberg City Lab published an article about a new study from Pittsburgh researchers naming the best and worst cities for Black women. Among cities with at least 100,000 Black women, Cleveland came in dead last in terms of livability. In this city, with a nearly 50% Black population, this news drops like a bomb. And reactions were mixed. Do you think Cleveland is really the worst for Black women? And what do you say? Uh...
2: I say... Mm-hmm. It depends on the person mm-hmm. they ask. When I dropped it in one of my Black girl group chats, the emojis
1: were just eye rolls. I'm not surprised. Not even a little. It's, it's heartbreaking and also embarrassing. Is it like this everywhere? Is it me? <laughs> like... This city
2: will make or break you. City of Black women that are looking around at their outcomes, their future, their past and saying, this city makes me anxious. If anybody's out there
1: listening in Cleveland, please get out. On Living for We, we talk to Cleveland's Black women from all walks of life, from the CEO of one of our major healthcare systems to self-starting entrepreneurs, judges, lawyers, doctors, artists, students, and mothers who've experienced loss. We share stories from these women as change makers and architects of their own futures, celebrating their victories, challenges, and personal growth along the way. So is it really true what they say? Is Cleveland deserving of the least livable title? And what can we do to make lasting improvements for Black women in our city? I'm Marlene Harris-Taylor, and this is Living for We, a project of connecting the dots between race and health from IdeaStream Public Media.
2: Welcome to episode eleven of Living for We. Yeah, we're calling this the Living for We After Show. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's like it. a production wrap up. We had a lot come in in the comments, in the emails, in the voicemails, mm-hmm. and we thought it'd be this would be a cool way for the listeners to get gain some insight on the behind the scenes of building a podcast. So before we do all of that. Mm-hmm. Let's start with some introductions. I am Francesca Medina. I go by Hey, Friend, Hey on the internet. I have been in production for about 14, 15 years now. Started off blogging, YouTubing, podcasting, and kind of hit all the platforms oh, if you really uh-huh. think about it, right?
1: You look way too young Thank for 14 you. years. No <laughs> way. There's no way. I
2: don't believe it. I appreciate it. And now my passion has been in audio production. production. Production and just podcast production, everything from creative directing to producing to wherever, whatever is needed. Like I jumped Mm -hmm. in the marketing on this podcast, Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. we kind of all just threw on whatever hats that were needed on the show. So. That's it for me. What about you, Marlene? All right. Well, I'm
1: Marlene Harris-Taylor. If you've been listening to the show, you've heard my voice. I'm the host and executive producer of Living for We. And I work for IdeaStream Public Media, and I'm the director of engaged journalism at IdeaStream Public Media. And I have been a journalist for way too many years. I'm not giving it up. (laughs) I'm not telling exactly how many years, okay? No, I don't want you doing the math, but I've been a journalist for a long, long time. I've primarily worked in public media, started in Columbus, worked in D.C. I've left the business for a minute, came back. But I've been loving working at IdeaStream for about the past seven years. But this is my first foray, if you will, into podcasting.
0: And you've been awesome on the show. Oh, thank you. Thank you. (laughs) So I'm Dr. Angela Neal Barnett. I've been a psychologist since I was 28 years old. Also, uh, a very, very long time. Uh, <laughs> and my day job is I'm a professor at Kent State University in the Department of Psychological Sciences. And you know, people call me up and ask me, "Will you be a guest on the podcast?" <laughs> Uh, and sometimes, and sometimes I say yes, but a lot of times I I say no because it's like in their basement, and, <laughs> you know. And I can't find them. The I can't them. find them on the internet <laughs> and, oh my and those kinds of things. <laughs> so There's we, all kind of podcasts <laughs> out there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, this is my first time being uh, the resident mental health expert for uh, a podcast, and it has just been such a great experience. And I tease because I am a professor and my students listen to the podcast and then they think I'm really cool. (laughs) Hey, Fran, hey. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The other professors, you know, I'm walking on campus and they're driving by and they'll stop their cars and say, hey, I heard, just heard you on NPR. (laughs) (laughs) So it's brought me a lot of notoriety, at least on, Ken, on Kent State's uh, campus. But it's just been a fantastic experience to use my expertise in helping Black women live their best lives. Dr. Angela
1: and I go back a ways yes, because totally. um, as I started as a health reporter, at Idea Stream Public Media, yeah. and she has been one of our go-to people for years And we need someone who's an expert on Black women mm-hmm. trauma, uh, those toxic stress. So I knew about her, and I knew she was fantastic, and so I knew she'd be great in this podcast.
3: Thank cool. you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's been a joy to have her. Um, I am Hannah Ray Leach. I am the lead producer of Living for We. I'm a senior producer at Evergreen Podcasts, and I've been in the audio space for six years. Um, I'm also a musician, a writer, and a music teacher, and I don't know, I know Fran knows this, but I don't know if you two know this, I host and produce a podcast at Evergreen called Sleepover Cinema, so I'm a host as well. All right.
1: (laughs) (laughs) A woman with many hats. Yes, yes, (laughs) it's very
2: true. So now that we have some idea of your careers, I'm curious how you got involved with this podcast specifically. I mean, Marlene, Mm -hmm. you're the... Mm -hmm. You're the head of all of this. I don't know if you'd like to start. Yeah, I'll start it off.
1: Well, we've been working on a project at IdeaStream for a couple years now called Connecting the Dots Between Race and Health, where we wanted to talk about this whole idea of racism as a public health crisis. Remember when after George Floyd died and there was this so-called racial reckoning in the country, and there were so many places declaring racism a public health crisis. And we were like, well, what is that? What is that? What does that even mean? Do people understand that? Right. So we wanted to do a project that kind of looked at that. And the project had a lot of different parts, but we always knew we wanted a podcast to be one of the major centerpieces of it. And our team at IdeaStream, uh, particularly the health team, we threw around a lot of ideas. of what the podcast could be about. And we thought of a lot of issues that involved black women, Because infant mortality and maternal mortality, there's such huge issues in Cleveland. And so as we were doing research, we came across this study, the Pittsburgh study that named Cleveland the worst place for Black women. Mm. And that just like resonated with me. And I said, wow, you know, all these different issues that we would like to talk about, we could talk about under the umbrella of this study and what that all means. Right. And so then as we did more research, I started to find out that This study had already resonated with a bunch of women in Cleveland, including Chichi and Kimra and Bethany Studenik, our partners at Enlightened Solutions. And they had already done a project where they had talked to 450 Black women about this. And so it just really felt like this was the way that we should approach this podcast. And that's how we kind of came to it. There's more to it, but I'll talk about a little more about that later. But Mm
2: -hmm. how did we get Hannah? (laughs) (laughs) That's a good question. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So
3: I've worked at Evergreen for a long time now. And um, at the time when the show was gifted to a producer, I was the only senior producer. um, And I have a track record of having done a show for Metro Health before that Mm -hmm. was on uh, the opioid epidemic, and it was actually intended for um, medical providers. Ooh. It was like how to oh, provide wow. more like informed health care to mm-hmm. people with opioid addiction. Yeah. Um, and so I kind of had like a health podcast background, but also have a lot of experience with like storytelling shows and just women. So um, I was selected to be the person to do it. And here we are almost
2: a year later.
1: <laughs> we were gifted with Hannah. <laughs> Thank you. You know? I Thank love you.
2: That. That very kind. And just, I think, too, being a musician, Hannah mm-hmm. just has an incredible intuition mm-hmm. for how to sequence the emotions in the stories and mm-hmm. what music should go along. I don't Thank think that's you. something that can be taught, you know?
3: Yeah, yeah. I get a lot of feedback, like positive feedback from Marlene on music placement. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing is, I do that so fast. Like Rit- <laughs> the fastest part of the process yeah. for me is it's the music placement. Point. Yeah, it yeah. Is. I can normally do that in like, under half an hour.
2: And I think people underestimate how important. Oh my God. Yeah. Because I've listened to shows where I felt like the song they placed under the person's mm-hmm. story was like conflicted. Yeah. And it kind of takes you out of yeah. <laughs> the and, emotion of it.
3: And that's not to say there haven't been moments where Marlene has been like,
1: Change
2: I don't it. know about that. One. <laughs> like, like that has happened,
3: you know. what? She's right too. a couple times. This <laughs> yeah. like
1: somebody was telling sort of like an intense story, and the music was like boop boop boop, boop <laughs> yeah. you know, kind of happy. <laughs> and I was like, well, I'm not sure the music yeah. matches in that section. But most of the time, Hannah is spot on, sure. and and the emphasis is just, just in just the right spot, mm-hmm. and it really like somebody makes a point. And that music makes that point with them. And another thing I think that people don't appreciate about audio production, sometimes you have to let it breathe. It breathe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And let what a person said just hang there for mm-hmm. a few seconds mm-hmm. so people can take it in. Yeah. And that's
2: another thing that's intuitive, just mm-hmm. knowing how long to leave that little gap. Mm-hmm. to get people to think mm-hmm. about what was just said, Yeah. or you know, just leave that. If it's, like, grief being expressed, yes. leaving that yeah. moment to breathe through the story. And so, I, yeah, I think... Listening to this show, I think what's was so exciting when the first episode came out, it was just like, this is magic. It's
1: just Yeah, yes. magical. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It does. Everything it feels like magic. It does. Yeah. I think I was sharing with you guys that sometimes I listen back to episodes, even after I've heard it, I don't know how many times <laughs> when we're putting it together. But after it's all done and I'm listening back and then I can like come out of it. Mm-hmm. And then I'm just the listener. Yeah. And it's so wonderful. Yeah. And I'm thinking, this is really good.
2: <laughs> and that's the best feeling it to is. actually be able to go back and listen to your show. Because there's some shows you just oh. don't want to <laughs> Yes, oh. there are times. You're like, oh, I want to forget about that one. Right. <laughs> so I know you mentioned a little bit of how Dr. Angela came on mm-hmm. board. But mm-hmm. could you give us more insight onto how this relationship came to be?
0: Well, you know, actually, as I was thinking about this on the drive up, and um, let me just say that I direct the program for research on anxiety disorders among African Americans at Kent State. Oh, wow. And so, I mean, all of my work has fo- focused on Black Americans and mainly on uh, Black women, Black girls. Mm. And uh, I actually wrote a book uh, about the anxiety and uh, Black women uh, called Souvenirs. And so it was when the study first came out, actually, Marlene, you called me and said, would, you know, would, they, would you come up? Uh, here's the study we're going to talk about. And um, would you drive up? At six o'clock in the morning <laughs> <laughs> from Kent, Ohio, uh, to be on, on... The Sound of I, Ideas? The, which, of the Sound of Ideas, which is the talk
1: ideas. show that yeah. Ideastream Public Media produces. as a daily talk show. Yeah. Oh,
0: okay. I, just re- I realized driving up here today that I had been involved with this since that study was published. Hmm. And so... It's been really fascinating. Uh, and I don't even know that you've na- asked me directly. I think it I, you called me up and I was talking about the podcast and all of this so I guess I, I think Marlene just put me on it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I we don't recall <laughs> if I wanted to Well, 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 well,
1: well, well let me share this for <laughs> One of the things that I'm really proud of is that as a part of this big project that I was mentioning earlier is we really wanted to talk to black women about this Ooh. and so um, we did a sort of a focus group if you will with black with a small Group of Black Women in Cleveland and shared with them, we were planning to do a podcast and what the topic was about and asked them, what would you like to see? And one of the things the women told us is that they wanted some actionable steps. They wanted right. some advice mm-hmm. in this right. podcast. They didn't want it to just be about all oh, the terrible things that happened some to black fear women. Fear mongering. Fear-mongering. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we do and we don't shy away from any tough issues on the podcast. But we also, you know, I think one of our shared philosophies is that we want to empower people mm-hmm. through this podcast and that we want to leave women with hope mm-hmm. through this podcast. Mm-hmm. And so and they specifically said that they wanted some advice from someone like Dr. Angela. Mm-hmm. So, of course, I thought of you immediately <laughs> to be a part of the podcast, and lucky for us, you said
0: yes. Mm-hmm. I don't remember saying yes. So I- <laughs> <laughs> this
2: is <so> funny. <laughs> She's like, I don't know how we got here. <laughs> she said yes. <laughs> and then as far as how this Ray of Light came on the show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Marlene and I. <laughs> well, Marlene had been looking for a partner yes. to work on the show, a produ- like a production like partner. Pro- yeah, like a production partner.
1: And right. we knew that this podcast, you know, so many things that we do f- at IdeaStream is for a broad audience, right. right? But we knew we wanted a really niche audience, that we really wanted to produce this podcast for Black women. Mm-hmm. Everybody can listen, but it's specifically produced in a way that we hope would appeal to Black women. Right. Right. And so, that's a little different for what we had been doing. Right. Right. And so, we wanted to find someone who had already been in that space and the most important thing was we wanted it to feel authentic. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, I started looking around and so, I ended up calling Loudspeaker Network Mm -hmm. and talking to Chris Morrow Mm -hmm. and saying, hey, Chris, you know, and I explained the project to him and he was, and he got really excited about it too. Mm -hmm. It's like almost every, Everybody who hears about this is—that's really important. Yeah, that really should be talked about. Mm-hmm. And then Chris said, "Well, let me think about it."
2: And and he emailed me. <laughs> <laughs> His "let me think about it" was let's see if Fran was. <laughs> do you um, remember saying yes? I do. I do. I, 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 right. <laughs> I do remember saying yes. Um, he. We had been working on HBO. You know, insecurity mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. Saran. We had so much on our plates between yes. me and the other producers. Um, so that's why he was like, Do you think you can squeeze this Excuse in? you please, please? Right. It was please, please. <laughs> yeah. So when uh, Marlene and I had the Zoom call, once you started explaining what the project was, I was like, Even if I can't be, you know, like the lead producer, senior producer, but I just want to be a part of it Mm -hmm. and in whatever capacity I could be in. And then we kept talking about it. And that's what people don't realize. We were taking meetings and doing calls for at least maybe five months. Several months. months, Yeah, almost
1: five to six months. Five, six months before the first
2: episode even launched. Mm -hmm. Because it was just so much to prep from Mm -hmm. the title to the cover art to... What exactly do we want to focus on? Yeah. There's so much to talk about. How do we narrow this down? How many yeah. episodes? How long should each episode mm-hmm, be? Mm-hmm. And then once we narrow that down, it's like what guests are we having mm-hmm. on the show? And then once we decided on the guests, reaching out to them and hoping they were interested in being on the show. Yeah. Trying to get everyone's schedule. I mean it was so <laughs> there's a lot. I remember those There's days. a lot. Yes. <laughs> and we should say that Fran does not live in Cleveland. And I <laughs> don't Cleveland. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Fran is uh, on the West Coast, and so she was doing a lot of this remotely, Uh right? And so it's very early in the morning. (laughs) She was gracious enough to do meetings, Zoom meetings, early in
2: the morning. But there was
1: a lot to think about.
2: Oh, do you guys remember those discussions over the title? yes. Yeah, and then Hannah would give us the Excel sheet with like everyone's <laughs> vote, and we were horrible. And we, <laughs> we,
1: <laughs> now, Dr. Angela, I don't think you you weren't you weren't in on that part, but oh. no, you weren't you
2: weren't in. A,
3: be glad
1: you weren't. Be glad <laughs> it,
2: it was not it was it was not an easy process. No,
3: uh, and I no. think people don't
2: discuss this part Mm-mm. of podcast like no. just the smallest details that yeah. matter so much, obviously, because mm-hmm. your cover art is what pops yeah. on the streaming yeah. services
1: yeah. you know I should say about the cover art let me give a shout out to Lauren Green oh, from yes. IdeaStream Public Media because after we explained the concept to her Lauren came through with just this awesome yeah. awesome yeah. cover art and I know the minute Fran saw it she was like oh it was that's, one, that's yeah. it I had she was no like, that's yeah, the yeah, one no question. Yeah. so we didn't have to go through a long drawn out process over yeah, the cover I art know. but
3: Hannah talk about that the
1: title. title process
3: <laughs> that
2: a little harder. Okay,
3: well, I feel like such a big part of this entire process has been about really just communicating, like finding the right way to communicate with all parties, taking everyone's ideas into account. Everyone's coming at the medium with like a different perspective. Um, and I kind of feel like looking back at it, I think I had this feeling in my core, but I couldn't have put words to it at the time, which is like, I think part of why it was so hard to pick the title is that in some ways, like this sort of like institutionally supported stuff for black women specifically doesn't come along very often. Mm. And so there was a lot of like stakes, like we have to get this right, Mm. it has to, and it comes back to that thing, like we're trying to share the voices of and represent like so many different kinds of black women. And it's really hard to find something that Fits because every black woman is her own person, right? Yes. Um, and so, living for we was actually something that Ramat, one of our guests, said. She was our first interview, and it was like highly emotional. And we took a little break in the middle because she just wanted to like get herself together. And she said, "Living for we," like off the cuff, and we were like, "Oh." Maybe that's it. And Mm, so. So good. Yeah. The fact that it came from one of our guests too, I think made it especially like poignant.
1: I mean, and it was great. I mean, the the creative team behind this show is vast. It's not, it's bigger than what you see here. Yeah. And so uh, uh, many people on the creative team were uh, part of the discussions. I think in the end, when we settled on Living for We, it just felt right.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It felt perfect. Yeah. And we all felt it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
3: definitely. And of course, like none of this could have happened without Chi Chi and Bethany. Like they really started this whole conversation.
1: That's so true, Hannah, because, you know, they picked up the work of the Pittsburgh study and brought it to Cleveland and started their own project at
3: Enlightened Solutions called Project Noir. Not only was like the data and the research that they shared with us super important, but they've really put a lot of time into cultivating these super deep and intimate relationships with so many interesting and accomplished Black women in the community. And without them making some introductions for us I don't know if we would have gotten a lot of the really incredible guests that we ended up having.
1: Yeah, Hannah, I really appreciate the work that they did and the way that they found women in Cleveland through their survey. And not only did they find them in the survey, they did follow up interviews. And that's how we were able to, you know, find and talk to some of these incredible women on the podcast.
3: And their dedication to what they do just in serving Black women in the community is just really appreciated by us and by our listeners. And so just have to give them a shout out. Absolutely. They're part of the team. Yes, they are. Also, just speaking of a member of the creative team who isn't here, um, we were talking about music earlier. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Yeah, she's um, a Cleveland-based musician and also Mm -hmm. a freelance reporter. Freelance reporter and composer and part-time music teacher in the schools. She does so much. So all of our music was composed by her. And friend, if you want to talk about, (laughs) would you want to talk
2: about giving her notes? I just think it's funny because we had meetings where she just wanted to have a clear understanding of, like, who is listening to this podcast? What music would they be listening to? What will yeah. pull them in? <laughs> and she asked us mm-hmm. to send her a list of, like, what would the listener would be sitting... Send- no, like, moods? Artists. Or- well, oh, artists, right. Artist, oh, you were the, the mood. The you art. were the artist. And it okay, it just cracked me up, because I was, like, I sent her a list, and I was like, Summer Walker. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> Ooh, Summer Walker. I don't know exactly. Summer Walker. Yeah. <laughs> but it was just funny because I know she was listening to the list like, oh, child. <laughs> but, you know, she was a good sport. Yeah. And I think that she really tapped into the range of yes. listeners because that was the thing with this show. I felt like we're going to have 18-year-olds because the 18-year-olds mm-hmm. these days are right different. They'll listen and listen to mm-hmm. a political commentary. Yeah. yeah. But also the 65-year-olds mm-hmm. and the 30-year-olds. And I didn't think that we had, you know, one specific demographic Mm -hmm. that we'd have to focus on it was very open and of course speaking of people who aren't in the room right now Mm -hmm. but who have
3: contributed greatly to the success of this podcast our mix engineer Sean Rule Hoffman he's a king I love him (laughs) he's one of my closest friends and Marlene when we were pushing it Timeline-wise, pushing it. Mm -hmm. He never complained. He never didn't do a great job. Never didn't, listen to me. He always did a great job. And I know for me, it, it gave me so much security knowing I was working with him on this project because He's just a dream to work with. Hannah, I can't even imagine what time you were actually (laughs) sending the audio files to him
1: late on Friday and Saturday nights, you know? Oh,
3: yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, thankfully, he's like borderline nocturnal, so it worked for him. But uh, really, fate made it work out quite well in that way. And Hannah, we should talk about, you know, Hannah
1: had some reservations in the beginning. Oh, yeah. Because she was like, well, you know, I'm a white woman. <laughs> <laughs> well, that
3: might lead into your question about being the white woman. That was yeah. definitely one That's of the questions. It. We should okay, ask. Yeah. I've uh, been thinking about this like all day. I'm uh-huh. like, how are you going to talk about that? Yeah. Well, I think that. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Yes, because I wasn't concerned you
1: couldn't do the work. Right. Because I saw that you were a talented producer mm-hmm. and by the way, you did a lot more than grunt work in this oh, project. No, wait, totally. wait. That's what yeah, it turned right. into, but.
3: <laughs> but
1: yes, she was uh, You know, asking me a lot of questions and saying, is this okay? Is that okay? Yeah. And I'm thinking uh, okay, well, you know, I'm answering so many questions. I'm I'm basically producing this, right, right? Right. And so that's when I I just wanted you to know that mm-hmm. it was okay with me, yeah, for you to take the lead and be the senior yeah.
3: producer that yeah. you are. Yeah, I I think that there's this thing that I feel like I've grown past or have like a different understanding of now from doing this project which is that i feel like in left leaning liberal and i most of my friends are like white queer people like mm-hmm. that demographic of people there's yeah. this especially after 2020 yeah there's this level of like reverence for black women that i think is really like deserved in some ways mm-hmm. but i think that sometimes it puts this weird like distance mm-hmm. where everyone all these white people are like listen to black women Black women will save us. (laughs) Oh my gosh, man. That's kind of heavy, isn't it?
2: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah.
1: Are you hearing that a lot? Yes. Black women will save yeah. us. Yeah. Are you hearing that a lot? The black women will save us. <laughs> it's like the Stacey Abrams thing. You know?
3: Oh, yes. yes. OK. Yeah. That word. Yes. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. But, After that election. Yeah. yeah. It's like on one hand, like white people can say that. But then on the other hand, it puts this distance in between like well-meaning white people and black women. Like you want to hear them. But like, are you? asking, Mm -hmm. are you trying to understand? Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, it's like, people are people. It's about your individual relationships with people. If you're going to do a project like this, that's hard. You got to just go for it and, you know, and you did. Thank you. And My you head. stepped up Thank and you, you took the lead and you had done an awesome job. Thank you. And I think, you know, it's like
1: with anything, it takes a while for things to gel. Mm-hmm. And to find the rhythm. And to find the rhythm. Mm-hmm. And we have an awesome rhythm now. Yes. But in yes. the beginning, this it took good. a minute, right? What did you say? Yeah.
3: <laughs> we were talking about, like, there was this era at the beginning where Marlene and I were like... There were no
2: boundaries. There were no boundaries. We had to learn them. Yes. We had to set
3: them up. It was like me, <laughs> me starting, like, going to teach a class, coming Home and starting at 10 p.m., sending Marlene stuff at one, and then Marlene like at a conference, sending things back at three (laughs) Mm -hmm. on a Sunday. Mm -hmm. On a Sunday, (laughs) Sunday. that's when it was just like it doesn't.
1: It's too
2: much. (laughs) <laughs> way too much and
3: then it got better
1: after that and we and we came up with Fran Hannah and I and sometimes Stephanie mm-hmm. Chekolinski. we get together and we just kind of talk it through mm-hmm. and we talk about the things that in the next episode the things that huh. stood out to us or so there were the aha moments right. or the oh wow that was really cool or yeah or Hannah might say hmm, do you think we really should use that part because you know we don't want to you know, go too far and offend Mm. in some cases. And then we'd give (laughs) our point of view (laughs) or we do. do. Or, you know, if we would have recorded those meetings, I'm sure that those would have been like really interesting for people (laughs) (laughs) to hear some of the commentary. But yeah, yeah, so like after we work through our thoughts and we just Mm kind of we don't at least I didn't write anything down. Were you writing things down during those meetings? Oh, I always write yeah. it. You're writing things yeah. down. Yeah. I wasn't I was just kind of, like, absorbing. Oh, being yeah. trying to
2: be <laughs> track of everything. Because like, that's how oh. the episodes were yes. formatted. Yes. Yeah, they really
1: were, like, yeah. through those conversations. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we would say, somebody might say, we well, had yeah, this one part, like, was really cool. And somebody else would say, mm, I don't know, it didn't really hit with me. Or Fran would say, after, mm-hmm. remember, Hannah, <laughs> after we'd finished, like, the first draft of episode, oh, and Fran yeah, yeah, might yeah. say, mm- that didn't really hit.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's a nice way, right? Yes. Really hit. That yeah. didn't
1: really hit. But then yeah.
2: after a while, we all were like, you know what? Yeah. It didn't really hit. And it got fixed. And it got fixed. So much better. Yes. Yes. Agreed. And I guess that leads me into the next part of the conversation where I'm like, do you remember a guest or a conversation or a moment in the podcast that just impacted you where you— Mm -hmm. Have not stopped thinking about it. And it just kind of there's a before and an after since you heard it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'll start with that. And actually, it was Dr. Angela because Dr. Angela (laughs) gives this wonderful commentary about what the guests have said and talks about, you know, how they must have felt and gives advice. But it was in the second episode when we were talking about you know, Black mothers losing their babies. Mm -hmm. And she talked about an incident in Akron, wasn't Mm -hmm. it? Where there was a Black man who was shot by police and he was trying to make it home. He was like a block from his house. And he was calling out his mother's name and he didn't make it. Mm -hmm. And Dr. Angela said, every Black mother who heard about that heard their child Mm -hmm. in that voice. And I was like... I and had, she to, has a I mom. had, yeah. I'm a mom. Yeah, I have yeah. a son who's 20 years old. I had to like stop mm-hmm. for a moment in the taping and just get myself together mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it was a lot. And I've heard from so many people that that resonated with them too. Like that moment, it was like, "Chi chi, chi chi." In camera, one of our researchers told me that her mom cried.
0: Yeah, and Ooh, she
1: said her mm-hmm. mother never yeah. cries. Yeah,
0: it's mm-hmm. yeah. 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 like, I mean. You know, there's a reason they call out for their mama, and as black, you're right. As black brothers, they are calling out to us. I mean, we, we. I mean, and I think that's what people don't understand. I mean, that's why the podcast resonates. I think with so many people in the name because we are co- collective people, and we do live for we, mm-hmm. and that just makes. I mean, it's why the podcast is having the impact that is is having on Gen Zers to boomers. Um, right. Mm. Because it really does encompass as you guys were talking about, you know, be for everybody. Yeah. And, and it really has been for everybody. You know, I think about what I I think. I'm going to say her name wrong. Renat? Ramat. Ramat. And just her description of the spice store and Mm -hmm. as someone (laughs) who grew up with a mother who was a a great cook and came home from school and there were all sorts of smells in the kitchen and you would smell all sorts of spices. I mean, when she was talking about the store, I could imagine myself, you know, walking walking up, opening the door and oh. all the smells mm-hmm. uh, that would come out from there. And then uh, I don't know that we played the whole interview. No, because um, we had to pick and choose. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah, the Samaria Rice part, yeah. one yeah. was um, just very impactful mm-hmm. to me and particularly the mother of Tamir Rice, we yes, should say. I'm mm-hmm. sorry. Because she had, you know, lost this child in this horrific way, she had the surviving children, and what is it that you? you know, what do you do? And what, what what do you do? And it was so important for her to make sure that they all have their high school diplomas.
1: And I really appreciate her coming on as a guest on the program because mm-hmm. as you can imagine, she has received over the years oh, I'm sure. so many invitations yeah. to be interviewed and so forth. And she didn't know me. I didn't know her. Mm-hmm. I was connected to her attorney here in Cleveland and I explained the project to him and he gave me her number. And she said yes right away yeah. mm-hmm. when she found out what the project was about. Yeah. So I really appreciate that.
3: I was just going to say, when it comes to picking what to put in, that at the beginning was also really hard. Mm-hmm. I mean, and for me too, again, like, I, like every time I talk about this, I'm like, I'm white. <laughs>
2: um, but, like, it's true. And I'm like, who am I to be, like, plucking, Decide you with
3: know, being the decider. Yeah, yeah, but then Marlene really empowered me. And, like, mm-hmm. I know she wouldn't have done it if she didn't mean it, especially mm-hmm. now that I know her so well. And so— I just now I've gotten to the point where I can think like Marlene, I think. Oh, that's dangerous. Well, one thing you said so early on is you were like, always think about the audience. And I don't know why just putting it that way like, plainly Mm -hmm. made such an impact. But, like, I'm a person who, like, I can't handle it when things are boring. Like, Mm -hmm. I hate it when things are boring. And then once it clicked and I was like, oh, wait, wait, wait. Like, we have to make sure that literally none of this is ever boring, ever. Ever. And then once that really locked in, I was like, okay, I feel like I know how to pick it now. Yes. Or else Fran would
2: tell us it's not his. Right. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And I think the challenging part is that this is such a, you know, we're preaching to the choir in a mm-hmm. lot of ways. So it was like, how do we frame it in a way that's yeah. different? Or, yeah. you know, thankfully having Dr. Angela Neal Barnett to have mm-hmm. perspective and mm-hmm. give some insight on steps that you can take if you're working through grief or processing wherever you are in your life. Like that was the freshness Um and trying to just consider the listener in every way. Mm-hmm. Is this helpful? Is this useful? Are we just adding to the f- Searmongering that's online all day. And I think that was the equally exciting and Mm -hmm. challenging part with putting every episode together. Yeah,
1: absolutely. That's a challenge. Because to keep people interested, they have to be hearing something new. Right. Right. And I think also the research from Enlightened Solutions also, I think, Helped make it fresh because people had heard maybe, you know, that they had done Project Noir, Mm -hmm. but I don't think they knew all the details of it. And so the actual stats. So to have them come on throughout the season and share some of the stats that they heard Mm -hmm. and the, the themes they heard. Over and over again yeah. for women. So to me, that made the stories that people heard even more powerful. And more credible. And more credible. Because
2: we tend to be gaslit, you know, mm-hmm. where it's like, you, oh, you, you keep Black women always complaining or saying this or saying that. And it's like, no, look at this survey yeah. with data and yeah. charts and stats, you <laughs> yeah. know?
1: Yep. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Who
3: was your favorite person? Or not maybe maybe not your favorite, but most right. like
2: memorable or, or something. Well, to be honest, I think what stuck with me was the challenge that the guests had with what mm-hmm. they could and couldn't say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the frustration mm-hmm. as someone on the back end to want to be like Just, yeah, but then having to step back and remember that this is their livelihood, this is their mm-hmm. reputation. The years they've put in to get to the position of what, you know, CEO of whatever Mm -hmm. company and having to have the empathy as a producer that you want the story you want. You know, you want the truth. Yeah. But a lot of times the truth, like they can't afford to share that deeply. And Mm -hmm. I think that was really challenging. Yeah. As we kept going. Just know, and you know, a lot of the off the record conversations mm-hmm. that really hit and you're just like, oh, my God, Like yeah. this is what we wanted to share. Mm-hmm. And we didn't have the right to and respecting and honoring that space. And that to me was probably the most impactful <laughs> part mm-hmm. of this because you just want to just be so raw with the journalism. But you have to remember that. We don't always have the access to that. No, we don't. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, as a journalist who's been doing this
1: for oh, a while, I, imagine. <laughs> I had I was used to that to a certain extent. Yeah, but I it's wasn't. still very frustrating <laughs> because, you know, they want to say more. Of course. But because of, you know, to your point, the, maybe the PR people are listening or, or, in, the <laughs> studio with or them. in the studio yeah. with them, which is a whole other, beat. Which is a whole other yeah. thing. But, but I'm used to that, too, as a journalist. <laughs> yeah. And knowing that, uh, you know, to your point, people live in this town. Yeah so they, so they want to continue to live in this yeah. town, right. Yeah. And so they had to protect themselves mm-hmm. at the same time share as much as they could. Right. But we did have some guests who were raw. Oh yeah, yeah who went absolutely. there like Samaria and that we Leah. just talked about? And and Leah. yeah.
3: And we have to give another Leah shout out Hudno. to her because she even got like direct feedback from people in the community who were mad at her. Oh yeah, and she did not like bow her head as she. I mean, can you even imagine? Like, not, <laughs> ever. Not, um, not ever. But she is really the real deal and is super impressive, and that's why we've included her so many times. She yes. gave yes. us so
1: much. She did, yeah. Leah Hudno. She's on the Cleveland uh, Public School Board. Yeah, but she also is a person who. Part of the philanthropy community, she has been, and it's so that now you talk about people being afraid, Fran, in Cleveland. The philanthropy community is so huge mm-hmm. here and they have so much power. Mm-hmm. And there's so many people who are afraid to piss them off. To piss them <laughs> off. <laughs> yeah. And the fact that Leah did so bravely right. share her story and not care. Right. That, that's amazing.
2: Yep. Yeah. yeah. And she was my even her story of of what she went through in the office, yeah. I think that was one of there's so many stories yeah. to fall to fall for, but it resonated so much because it was just those stories I don't think we hear enough of because yeah. we can't speak out as much, you know. Mm-hmm. But the fact that she put it out there, she named the company, she's like this yep. is the executive, <laughs> and I was sitting there like, whoa, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was so brave, you know. It was and I so also, brave. I want to make sure to, like I said, have empathy for everyone, yes, so that we don't single. Out like you are <laughs> fame because you're the only one y'all
1: yeah, know yeah, <laughs> No, no, that's no. right. There were
2: other people who were candid, like Ariane Kirkpatrick, for oh, example.
1: Right. She, her story really stuck with me because here's a woman who is like the CEO of this company, doing just awesome things. She's, you know, she's uh, running a, a construction company. Mm-hmm. Like she's in a, a space where not very many females I are. Forget about the medical marijuana. Well, that's where I was going right. with the me- and so. And when she shared about that she is the only Black woman in Ohio who has a permit mm-hmm. to Which grow to and yeah. to sell yeah. in Ohio, that was amazing shocking. right there and yeah. shocking. Mm-hmm. But then when she told the stories of getting calls yeah. at home, almost like mafia type calls yeah. with people saying, yeah. you might want to rethink this. I'm like, oh my God, yeah, what year are we in? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Right? Yeah. And so, you know, all I could say to her was that that somebody was afraid you were getting ready to make a boatload of money. Mm -hmm. And they wanted you to give up that license. And they did everything they could to intimidate her, but she didn't give in to it. And so I just admire her so much for that. Yeah.
2: She was a special guest, for sure.
0: Yes. I mean, for me, the uh, medical, the three medical The doctors. Yeah, the doctors Mm -hmm. episodes. I mean, I think all of those women sharing their stories, it was like... And when I came in to to record, I was like, "This is like harrowing," and I it was. It was Their like stories were harrowing. After episode after episode, and again, them persevering. And yes, just and and of uh, just what people had to do and you know the racism that people face just as you know as patients and as providers mm-hmm. was just you know you were just like didn't I just hear it and it was just another story and right. another another story and that I still can't get over that Cleveland is world class in healthcare. That's my, yeah, yeah, and yet these stories were just almost overwhelming. Almost. And I can't even imagine what it was like to live them. Right. I mean, and some of the stories
1: were from a few years ago. Some of them were more recent, and what that tells you is that. Not a lot has changed, (laughs) and that this is still going on, right? And even my husband, who is not a black woman, when when he heard that particular episode, even he was like, "Oh my God!" He said there was one story, and then the next story was even more harrowing (laughs) than the next story, and then the next story came on, and it was even more harrowing than the last story. He said, "You just had me; just you know, I was glued to the episode from the beginning to the end." And
2: we have to give Marlene credit because you wanted the three part right with the medical oh. mm-hmm. yeah we yeah, were, yeah we initially Ew. had it where it was like one episode and then it was two uh, and then Marlene was like I don't know I just we feel have like so, much need so much good <laughs> stuff yeah. yeah. And we were concerned about not giving the other themes like education relationship mm-hmm. enough time but I mean, the medical stories, like you said, were just too impactful. Technically, it's connecting the dots between race and health. So
3: putting a medical emphasis on it makes sense. It makes a whole lot of sense. Yeah, And even the episode with
1: the doctors, with the two doctors, the doctor Mm -hmm. from um, University Hospital and the doctor from Cleveland Clinic, even them telling their perspective, what really struck me in that episode is when we asked... Why do we have this problem in Cleveland with this infant mortality problem that babies, black babies, are not living to their first birthday at the rate we would like them to? It's yeah. really, really bad. It's getting better in Cleveland, but it's still bad. And these are two very experienced black doctors mm-hmm. who've been doing this for years, and they were like, we don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? And yeah. I mean, that was their initial answer was, we don't really know. But then when we probe deeper, then they both said, yeah, it probably is racism. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. Right. It was more like, we can't say. <laughs> right. right. Now I'm curious, now that we are done with the podcast, season mm-hmm. one, looking back from a production standpoint, is there anything you would have done differently?
1: Wow, that's a good question. Well, you know, I love the episode so much with Damiana mm-hmm. and the girls, the young girls that <laughs> she so um, that she has in her after school program that I I, don't, I just wish there was more mm-hmm. we could have done with that because they were just so beautiful and so innocent but at the and same
2: hopeful. time and hopeful mm-hmm. and but wise. Yes. Yeah, Right? They were I mean, talking about the, the uh wage gap. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah like, wait what? Yeah. And I got and I got my business. Oh, I got right. I got my <laughs> bracelet, bracelet business yeah. and you
1: know and talking about really deep issues. And yeah. it was just mm-hmm. like it was touching, it was funny, mm-hmm. it was just all the things, but, right? And I just wish there was more that could have been done there.
3: Yeah. I, like, fell in love with them when I was there. This is just, like, a little (laughs) side note. Um, I, like, love kids, especially little girls, like, that just— It's really important to me to, like— be a positive presence in the lives of, like, little girls especially. Yeah. And going to that program and just, like, them being so themselves, <laughs> like, almost, maybe even too much. <laughs> um, and just, like, seeing how comfortable they were was just really, really touching. And Evergreen, we hosted a field trip just the other week with 18 of these girls here. <laughs> um, with their little podcast episodes. And, yeah, they, so some of the, um, in episode 10, 10, I got to fit in a little bit more of oh, the girls. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I wish there could have been more of them too. Yes. I know. Yeah. They
2: were such a special... I know, they're And so I cute. think um, when people have shows discussing cities and stats and yeah. black women, you don't hear the perspective of children. Yeah. I mean, don't. I can't even think of a show that has considered how they're feeling, what they're experiencing, mm-hmm. what they're processing as well. And so to give them that space felt really, really special.
1: Yeah. And I heard that one of the little girls was... At an event that was hosted by the
3: mayor.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Uh
3: And she just proudly said, I was in a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Damiana told me that she was like NPR living for we.
0: That's what I was on. She's like, in case you want to look it up.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So how empowering, right, (laughs) for her. And I just like, wow, we're doing it, you know. Talk about living for we, right? Totally, totally.
0: But I do want to say something about that and how important it is that you guys have the girls, not only for the reason that Fran says that we don't do, do that, but you describe them as wholesome and innocent. And... People don't think about black girls right. in that way. Mm, that's true. And, um, or, even you know, girls, you know. or even as girls. Or even as girls. So yeah. here was the opportunity for that misperception, that myth, to be busted, mm-hmm. because they were, they are innocent and wholesome mm-hmm. and just girls. Yeah. yeah.
3: Also, just in terms of the age range of the show, I was really determined to get Miss Arnell. Yes, just an elderly so person. Yeah. One of the things um, this is just like a cultural thing that I wasn't that aware of, but we've talked about this. Is like we walk in and it's like immediate sunbleached Obama, like <laughs> like poster on the wall, and then she had she talked about Obama. There's pictures <laughs> of Obama, yeah. 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 and um, Marlene was like, "That's
0: classic." Yeah, yeah, it, it is. Yeah,
3: yeah cult. cult yeah, it's class like yeah. it, it used to be Martin
2: Luther King yeah right, right. and John F and John F, F-, F- Kennedy yeah, yeah. And John F, F-, F-, F- Kennedy yeah. That's yeah. JFK my mom, my mom has Obama Malcolm X and, and it's frames with oh, yeah. the family picture oh, so it's on the wall are like, your like oh it's me <laughs> in kindergarten Obama
3: <laughs>
1: everybody's got got him somewhere oh, so Hannah was like that is just so so classic, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: and
3: she's sitting right below him oh, as we're yeah. doing the interview. Oh
1: my God. <laughs> and
2: she's,
0: she's sitting
3: there, and then it's a picture of Obama like looking down. Oh, that's that's like that was too good. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah, she was hilarious. Yeah, though.
1: I mean, she's ninety-four yeah. years that's old incredible. and just. Still mentally very very sharp, yes. And uh, and she wanted to do it immediately oh, too, yeah. you know. So I knew her. I met her through my mom. They're mm-hmm. close in age and from the same little small town. So when I came to Cleveland, you you guys might recognize this culturally too. Mm-hmm. When you go to a new town, your parents tell you everybody they know yeah. in that yeah. town mm-hmm. and go visit them, right?
0: Sure. <laughs> right. right. So, so. I what's your name? <laughs> Who <will get> people? <laughs>
1: So when I got to Cleveland, my mom was like, oh, you got to go visit, you know. She doesn't call her Miss Arnell, but you got to go visit Arnell. She went to school with your auntie, and you, you know. (laughs) So I had, you know, made a relationship with her previously. And so I thought about her. And so I called her up and she was like, yeah. Mm. Yeah.
2: That was such a good show. I loves having the range of like Mm -hmm. seven year olds to 94. I mean. That yeah. was beautiful to be able to work with. And it was so interesting, too,
1: because unfortunately, she has some health issues mm-hmm. that came up since the podcast. She fell, mm-hmm. um, which, no, you know, is a hazard is, yeah. for elderly mm-hmm. people. And she was, it, she happened to be in a rehab mm-hmm. when the uh, episode came out. But she was on. Oh, that
2: must have been a nice
1: boost. Mm-hmm. It was. Uh, she said her son, what he did was he played it on YouTube. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he put it on the television in her room. Oh, So gosh. other people, People came into the room, like, people who worked there and
2: listened to it while she was listening to it. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's so cute. Oh, Oh, man. Wow. Wow. Well, feel better, Miss Arnell. Yeah. Yeah. We
3: love you. I think also just one more thing, like, in terms of, like, production regrets or anything. (laughs) Like, (laughs) we—do you remember when we were, like, we're going to work ahead?
2: Oh, yeah. We're going to have episodes done in advance. That was a pipe (laughs) dream. And the funny thing is, initially, it was a weekly show. Oh, Oh, yeah. That's
3: even funnier. Okay, I remember, like, the first episode was coming out, and I was like, my life is about to be over. (laughs) And so I, like, got this calendar as, like, a PDF, (laughs) and I filled out what every single week would look like for each of us. And I was like, okay, this is what our lives would look like until mid-May, if we don't change this and really yeah. quickly you're both were like yeah, no and I'm like let's no do it you know, yeah. week yeah and it was and just like, like yeah, yeah no yeah. <laughs> it would have been
1: too much but. And, and not to mention I do have other other oh, things yeah. that I'm responsible oh, yeah. for yeah. it I do yeah, stream, I mean, like,
3: managing a whole team like True. filling in the cracks for other people who like they need to fill in roles like we had another we talked the other day about Marlene working 12 hour days and that that's just her Ooh. life that's just kind of my norm at yeah. the moment so yeah. I'm glad we were able to find more yeah, space definitely, with the show definitely mm-hmm. but I think if there's I don't really have any regrets because I feel like it's great a lot of it was inspired in the moment like mm-hmm. a lot of the stuff that we ended up doing like the city hall stuff and the little girls stuff like we and Miss Arnell a lot of that if we had premeditated any further we may not have been able to do true so I think the dynamicness of it is a byproduct of the fact that we were flying by the seat of our friends. <laughs> week to week. <laughs> do you have any regrets, Dr. Angela? Yeah. Is there anything
1: like you wish you had said, like you went home later and said, darn, I should have said something. You know, is there anything I, like that? I don't. Um, I love but, that. You know, I'm a clinical psychologist,
0: me. so we, we know that regret, like, what happens when you live with regrets. I do wish maybe that I got to hear... Uh, to be there when you interviewed some of the people mm-hmm. just it oh. was just uh, so fascinating and it was I, I would have liked to have I mean, if I think about it and I think about in a perfect world I would have like to have heard the cut the, the, the mixed you know the, the final version, mm-hmm. and then me come in and, and uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. but because what well, we should explain, the process was you were listening back to the recordings, like yes. after we recorded the interviews, right you were listening back to the recordings yeah. as you thought about, you know, like what advice you wanted to share. yeah,
0: yeah. yes. yes, but then again, being able to get those unedited versions just really gave a sense of how important each person you interviewed Mm -hmm. really felt this was. Mm -hmm. And, you know, where else? I mean, I know people were holding back for various reasons, but where else are you going to hear this broad range of Black women Mm -hmm. tell you what it is like? To be a black woman, yes, and so I, I think I the I mean, regret is that the podcast that uh, this is the last
2: one. <laughs> been, right, yeah. I mean,
0: I just thinking from even from a, from a professor's standpoint, boy, this is like I mean. This should be played or this should be required listening mm-hmm. in uh, any number of courses. Because, I mean, you could do a whole class wow. on Living mm-hmm. for We, I think. And and you could do it so soon. I know. She, she, she's, she's
1: encouraging me to do that, to come up with a
2: study guide and a book. And
0: <laughs> well, we it's so like, the you really could. I was a PA. the a <laughs> <long production. laughs> You know, as, a, as a, you know, if you were in, in Africana studies or mm-hmm. sociology, psychology, you know, behavioral science, I mean, this is mm-hmm. this is a master class in understanding who Black women are. Mm-hmm. Speaking of
1: Africana studies, Dr. Arkee, mm-hmm. when she came into the studio, Hannah and I both had the same reaction. I mean, she was head to toe yeah. and she had her swag, her, yes. her you know, African inspired swag. Uh-huh. She had her headdress, dress. Her, she was on point. Yes. Yes. She just looked so regal. Uh huh. And the way she talked, the way she carried herself, she was just, she's just beautiful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we just both had that same reaction oh, yeah. that day. <laughs> oh yeah.
3: And she was like because uh, some people come in and they're pretty like animated and like lively and like it, she was just very like regal. Like in our spreadsheet of um, because that I, was I put my it, favorite part of the spreadsheet. <laughs> <laughs> I <put your> <laughs> to describe each guest <laughs> like what tone, and I put regal next to her. Yeah. yeah. I like, Thank you for appreciating my I adjectives. thought it was the best part. <laughs>
0: Thank
3: <laughs> you very much. <laughs> well I want to what's the spreadsheets in about
1: <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll never tell We'll never tell <laughs>
2: So that actually brings me to Because we have to close it out I yes. know we could talk for hours Yeah we but could I'm not in Cleveland mm-hmm. I'm not from Cleveland But mm-hmm. I'm so curious How the response from Cleveland Has been to mm-hmm. this show mm-hmm. You know the response Has been huge in
1: Cleveland I mean
2: from uh,
1: people hearing it on different podcast uh, channels or podcast platforms, to people hearing it on Idea Stream's talk show, mm-hmm. because it's also played on the talk show when new uh, episodes are released. People, everything I've heard is positive for the most part. I mean, mm-hmm. we've gotten a couple, you know, people who've called in and said something negative, but considering all the people who have listened to get one or two negative comments I think is like yeah. amazing It's right? a show
2: about black women right
1: yeah. Right. so sure. I think overwhelmingly the response has been so positive people love the show they love that you're involved Fran <laughs> because there's so many people who know Fran from her other projects mm-hmm. from her other platforms there's people in Cleveland who just fangirl out over yeah. Fran <laughs> over hey fan yeah. hey and that gives us like another level of um, credibility Mm, yeah. I guess you might say, to yeah. have someone with your national experience as a right. part of the project. And so from that, from people knowing that, to people uh, hearing it on Stream, to people just having a chance to interact with the content, it's yeah. been nothing but good stuff from what I've been hearing. What about you, Dr. Angela?
0: Uh, just very, very positive stuff. And, and I think about what we heard at the live event as well, where many of the young women felt that it was You know, a movement within Cleveland to create uh, this place and space for them. And and again, uh, if I'm out and about and someone sees me, again, they comment on that they are listening, that they've heard it. Again, it's just opened for Black women and for others. It's just opened a Better understanding for them, and it also for black women, lets them know we're not alone. you know right. mm-hmm. and and we can connect with one another and make Cleveland better
1: and that's the beauty I think of you know telling sometimes the, the sad, the harrowing, the mm-hmm. bad stories. I mean, we tried to balance out mm-hmm. the positive with the negative, but to your point, for people to hear those stories and say, you know, that sounds just like something I went through, mm-hmm. makes them feel like they're not alone.
0: Yeah. Absolutely.
3: Yeah, I think this is kind of more a personal note, but I really feel like working on the show has changed my life in a lot of ways. Uh-huh. Um, just like as a producer, but also just as a person, especially living in Cleveland where it's so segregated. Mm. Like the amount of black women I know has like quadrupled over (laughs) this process and and like no in a way where I feel like like it's it's real it's warm like I have a real connection Mm -hmm. and it's so wild that that's true because again like it shouldn't be that way in Cleveland but I just feel like my Perspective has expanded so much, and so is like my family's. My whole family listens. Oh, <laughs> oh, man, and you guys awesome. all have- met my family. And yes, we met your family <laughs> at the live event. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, my boyfriend told me to tell all of you hello. Hey, <laughs> hey. <laughs> hey. But um, I think it's been life-changing in that sense and also just getting to work with all of you so much and so closely, and especially Marlene. Like Mm I feel like I've learned so much from you. And the stuff I've learned from you, like will be with me like ongoing. Well, you know, you're my bestie
1: now. You're one of my my besties now. And we will stay in touch. But I have learned Uh, from Hannah as well, because you know, I am not quite a boomer. I'm sort (laughs) of like a Gen -er, Xer. Sort of like a mix of a boomer and a Gen Xer. Mm -hmm. So I had to learn from Hannah that, you know, you do things a little differently in a podcast. Mm -hmm. Right. I come from the NPR world. Everybody knows the NPR world. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. Where we're very serious (laughs) and our voices are always very deep. And, you know, you know, the NPR world. And so I had to, you know, learn to lighten up a little bit for for the podcast world, (laughs) let things be a little looser. Mm -hmm. And Hannah was so great at capturing these non, I won't call them scripted Mm because things weren't really scripted. But these moments that weren't necessarily meant to be in the podcast, but they showed something about that person's personality or they were like a little fun moment. Mm -hmm. And including those in, which I probably never would have right. on my own. So we learn from each other. So. You, but, yeah. you know, I can't end this without talking about the men yes. in the episode about love yeah. and how they shared their love for mm-hmm. their wives. Because, you know, we didn't have we very many male voices. No, we had Brenton Mock. We had Brenton Mock, the, okay. the reporter from Bloomberg City Lab who wrote the article yeah. that landed like a bomb in Cleveland yeah. and then we didn't hear from men till like the very end oh,
3: okay. <laughs> it was a bookend it was a
2: bookend it was a bookend so yeah. it was it's, it was so
1: awesome yeah to hear Black men expressing love. Yeah. yeah,
2: that was a beautiful. And like we discussed when we were having the production meeting, it was just a nice ribbon, I think. Yeah. to end the podcast on such a note of like reverence for Black women yeah. after all that we went through right. on all the episodes. Right. Yeah. And to me, and I think to
3: all of us, it was really important that it starts, the, the episode started about romantic relationships and we kind of ended on the love that Black women have for each other, whether that. That's like mothers and daughters and siblings or friends or mentors. Like at the end of the day, kind of the thesis of the podcast is like, how can we make Cleveland more livable for black women? And sort of like the main argument of Chi Chi and Bethany's research as well is like black women need to be the ones creating the solutions to the problems that affect them the most. And black women collaborating together and like sharing love and community with each other is such an important part of that. So ending on that note felt important. Yes. That's why
2: I love when, I think it was Ramat said, the answer is us. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: And with that being said, <laughs> are there any final thoughts so that we can close out this after show.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I just want to say that this has been an awesome project to work on with so many dynamic, smart, beautiful women, talented women. I think it would not have been the same project without each and every mm-hmm. piece and part, every contributor mm-hmm. to this. It was just the right mix of ingredients to make the right cake. Yes. And I just have loved it.
2: And thank you, Marlene, because you put it together. Yes, <laughs> yeah, and thankful for your intuition yeah. and your God- because it couldn't have been the same without you, so thank you. You're welcome. Thank you.
1: Thanks for joining us for this season of Living for We. The team is incredibly grateful for all of the support and enthusiasm we've received over the past six months. We also have to thank each and every Black woman who took the time to share their story with us. We couldn't have done it without you. You can continue to listen and share our episodes at ideastream.org slash livingforwe and wherever you get your podcasts. We're so sad to say goodbye for now, but in the meantime, we would still love to hear your thoughts on the season and what you'd like to hear next. Our number is 216-223-8312. That's 216-223-8312. If you're enjoying this season of Living for We, why not consider a gift of support to Ideastream public media? Donate now at ideastream.org donate. And be sure to mention that your contribution is in support of Living for We. Living for We is part of the Connecting the Dots Between Race and Health initiative from IdeaStream Public Media, produced by Evergreen Podcasts and made possible by generous support from the Dr. Donald J. Goodman and Ruth Weber Goodman Philanthropic Fund of the Cleveland Foundation. The Living for We team includes myself, Marlene Harris-Taylor, host and executive producer. Hannah Ray Leach is our lead producer and Hey Fran Hay as producer and creative director. Chi Chi and Kimra and Bethany Sudenic of Enlightened Solutions are our researchers, data analysts and community partners. We get production help from Stephanie Chekalinski. Original music, including our theme song, is by Cleveland artist Afi Scruggs. Our mix engineer is Sean Rule Hoffman. We'll see you next time.